Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast and today's episode is episode 87. So if you head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash 087, you'll get all the show notes from today's episode with my friend Frederick Gronquist from China Import Portal, where he heads up a sourcing agency helping brands source from China, India, and Vietnam. So today we do actually chat through the latest impacts of the coronavirus. It's a week by week um, situation that's unfolding there. Um, we're looking at factory production in China, what's uh, happening, looks like some factories are starting to open up. And then we switch topics and we talk today and focus in on the, uh, the topic of sourcing from Vietnam. So Frederick's actually got a lot of experience sourcing from Vietnam. In fact, he's, we're, he was actually recording this conversation from Ho Chi Minh City, formerly known as Saigon. So who better to ask? And uh, we cover topics like, you know, what are the differences, obviously, between sourcing from uh, China and Vietnam and a little bit on, on uh, India, logistics, pricing, trade shows, uh, trying to find supplies online. Um, we also touch on uh, how to pay suppliers and what sort of currency that they wanted to be paid in. Now, just uh, some quick announcements. I am holding a meetup here in Melbourne next week on Thursday. That's the 27th of February at WeWork at 120 Spencer Street in Melbourne, level 22. That's starting at 5.30. The topic is advanced keyword research techniques to discover product ideas on Amazon. And I'll be throwing in uh, some Brandon Young keyword competitive strategies as well as my own system for finding keywords and phrases with strong demand and low competition uh, we've almost sold out i think there's like 80 tickets available and we're getting very close so please head over to the australianseller.com forward slash global to register straight away to get your name on the door there uh, that is sponsored by retail global and pioneer and there'll be a q a panel as well which is super cool uh, of course, India. Now, listen, you are running out of time. You need to get in touch with Megla. You need to head over to the Austra- Australian seller. You need to head over to indiasourcingtrip.com. Uh, I've said this a million times before, but Tim Jordan, myself, Gary Huang, Mark Jolly, many others will be there. Uh, there's a full contingent of international sellers who are going to be there. Some just starting out, some very experienced. You know, you're going to learn so much from this tour and you'll be able to source fantastic products that aren't from China, which is always a good thing. That's happening on April the 13th through to the April the 20th of this year in New Delhi. So register now. Time is running out. You need to book a flight. You need to get a visa. So get your skates on. Anyway, enough. Let's get on with today's interview with Frederick Gongfist. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast, and today I am delighted to welcome Frederick Gronquist from ChinaImportal.com, yeah. uh, based in Hong Kong. Frederick, welcome to the show. It's very excited to have you on. So I, it's the first question I ask all my guests is, um, give us a bit of an introduction about yourself. What's your background and what got you into sourcing? Yeah, that's, that's the stuff I ask myself every day I wake up. Uh, no, but on, <laughs> on, a, on a more serious note... Um, 
about 10 years ago, I was in uni. Uh, I started to dropship products. I started to dropship watches. That's, that's how I got into everything. And then we launched these, um, you could say, specialized dropshipping stores. A few years later, I decided uh, to move to Shanghai just for the sake of taking a break and uh, study Mandarin Chinese. Ended up staying um, until 2017. So I uh, spent close to eight years in Shanghai. And it was in Shanghai that I transitioned from selling products myself to creating um, what is now ChinaImporter.com, helping other companies worldwide, mm -hmm. not just in Sweden, um, quite a few in Australia, to manufacture products and everything that goes into that from, 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 from the sourcing, of course, but uh, I would say focusing more on product development uh, and, and product safety aspect. Cool. Oh, let's get into that a bit later. But right now, you're in Ho Chi Minh City, yeah, in Vietnam? Yeah, yeah. I'm in, in, in Ho Chi Minh City, formerly known as Saigon, staying here until next week or something. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. I love it. It's just the craziest, craziest city to visit. Um, now, well, first of all, let's, let's hop into it, actually. Let's hop into the topic of the coronavirus, because that is on the lips and tongues of just about everybody globally. You have a lot of contacts in China at the moment. We're about a month into, well, since Wuhan was and Hubei were actually shut down. So, where are things at? Where do you, you know, when do you think we might be getting back to any sense of normality? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a big question right now. So, today is the let me see, February eighteen, and Chinese New Year was supposed to last pretty much until last Monday. Okay, so that's, let me mm. double check that, Monday, February 10th. And that's when suppliers, well, most suppliers were supposed to get back to operations. Some office staff started working last week. What this means mm. is that we're at a point where you can reach out to suppliers on, say, Alibaba or, or your existing suppliers. You can get price quotations, sample quotes. You can discuss projects. You can make it move forward, uh, mm -hmm. at least, at least uh, on a pre-prototype development basis. Now, the situation on the ground as of today in, say, Shenzhen and Dongguan and so on is that many suppliers are waiting for permits to get back online. A uh, watch factory that we work with in, in Shenzhen, in Baowan, um, he just sent me a video from the factory yesterday. It's like all the lights are, are still off. There's, there's no factory workers in the facility, um, mm. I would say. Well, who knows? I would estimate maybe seventy percent or something. Office staff is back, but it's it's really slow, um, and it's mm. going to take some time before before they are back on on online. In the sense that they have say forty fifty percent of the workers in the facility and are ready to assemble. Um, how long? Later mm. this week, next week, two weeks from now? Um, mm. Can't really tell because we don't really have any insight into what's going on. Um, there's no real risk that there are viruses in the factories per se. It's, 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 the risk is that workers coming back from the provinces may take it to, say, Dongguan or Shenzhen, and that's what the authorities are scared of. 
of course, yes. for good reasons. Um, mm. So I think they will they will probably want this opening to 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 be done in a controlled manner. Uh, but at the same time, they can't. They can't keep the factories shut for too long because most of them are private enterprises. They need to get those deposit payments and balance payments in to be able to pay wages. Um, My bet Mm. is that it will be slow at least until mid-March, but um, Mm. product sampling and so on, uh, production will resume in March. That's what I think. Yeah, me too. And that's sort of what I'm hearing as well because I've been in contact with my agent slash suppliers in Guangzhou and they utilize factories in uh, Guangdong. So that's slightly north of Shenzhen. And mm-hmm. what they're saying, to your point, what you were saying earlier, is that they're waiting for health department officials to visit their facilities, their factories, and give them the all clear so they can be certified before they can go back to work. And I'm, I'm not sure whether that involves the staff as well as the actual facility itself, but I'm assuming that there's lots of hand washing and, and you know, probably gloves and making sure everybody wears a mask and temperatures and being measured and all that stuff. So yeah, there, there seems to be almost what I was reading between the lines was that there's almost a bottleneck of factory owners kind of waiting for a, a health official to come to their factory to give them the all clear so they can actually resume production. Um, that's that's sort of what I'm hearing at the moment. But what I also understand as well, and again, agreeing with you, is that the office staff um, are either working from home or sort of you know going into the office and just sort of doing admin and, and liaising with clients and trying to tell them what's happening, you know, from the best they can. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think... Um, so, so things are moving forward. Uh, let's say that you're at a stage where you have a product idea, you have a specification in place, you have the design drawings, you want to go out and get quotations, you can order to get that done. Um, mm. What will take time is say, let's say that you've got product samples under, under production and they didn't finish before the Chinese New Year. We've got a number of those cases among our customers. Um, Same. That's on hold. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the situation. All right. So... Apart from the manufacturers and ourselves, who else is, I mean, is it just exporters that are being impacted by the coronavirus issue or importers being affected as well? Well, um, let's say that you're an importer and you're just about to run out of stock or you've got a new product in in development and and you've been waiting since August last year and you're really keen to launch something. Um, In in, in that case, you're severely uh, affected too, right? Um, Mm. Because... Yeah, there's no there's no cash flow if you don't have anything to sell really, and I can That's imagine true. that this this would be uh, especially painful for Amazon sellers that that have to fight against the algorithm and need to need to keep products in 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 stock to maintain rankings and so on. So I can imagine that would be quite stressful. Uh, definitely, and that's yeah, that's a huge issue. And I, what I'm <laughs> got a couple of ideas around that that I've been trying to advise students and clients is that if they are getting a little bit low on stock is to actually deliberately close the listings a little bit early so keep a little bit of stock up your sleeve and then you know if the I guess if the market is quite thin on Amazon you don't have a lot of competition you can almost wait for them to run out of stock and then you know jump back in um, as the last sort of person standing in the in the category for for some of my clients that's going to hopefully work quite well because we know checking inventory levels on all the competitors 
using tools like Helium 10 that a lot of them are actually getting very, very low on stock and they're all, all their listings are about to disappear. So we're sort of holding fire. We've deliberately closed a couple of listings and we're about to jump in as soon as everybody's out of out of inventory. That's kind of one, one tra- tactic that we're considering and, and actually executing at the moment. It's quite risky. But yeah, it does have a big impact on the algorithm. But hopefully it's not just you that's going to be impacted. Hopefully there's just about everybody else is going to run out of stock <laughs> excuse me, as well. And it's not just Amazon sellers that are being impacted here. It's also traditional retailers, bricks and mortar retailers as well. We're seeing here in Australia a lot of empty shelves on our, you know, in our department store shelves, and uh, you know, there's not a lot of products for certain categories. Is that something that's you're seeing worldwide? Um, if, if I see that here, mm. um, haven't done much shopping here in in in, in Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> to in, in, yeah. I've, been, I've been here for just, just a bit over a week now. Um, okay. No, I didn't really notice anything in in Hong Kong. Uh, I've been hearing hearing from my my uh, business partner in the office that uh, you can't find any toilet paper. So, yeah, I'm really yes, that- <laughs> really looking forward to that. But uh, other than that, I I think I think the shelves are still still stocked up. I guess it depends on the product, and it's also something that we may not notice uh, until say March or something, uh, or April even. Mm. Yeah, it depends, doesn't it? I guess. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard the toilet paper issue as well, and tissues, face masks, obviously, are just no go. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty serious in certain categories. Oh, yeah, hand sanitizer, all that stuff. Yeah. So look, obviously, you, you know, this has given everybody a bit of a fright due to the impact that's happened with the virus. So there's a pretty big focus on sourcing from other places that aren't China. India springs to mind, but you're in Vietnam. So do you know much about sourcing out of Vietnam? Yeah. Um, we started, let's say, we, we started to diversify the um, supply base about three years ago in, in 2017, two and a half years mm-hmm. ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it came it became pretty clear where the wind was blowing. Um, Trump got elected and... Um, yeah, let's say that kind of kind of expected the trade war to to go down the way the way it did. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't think they would they would slap tariffs like the punitive tariffs on 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 all the five hundred billion dollars worth of imports, uh, which 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 he did. But I I did expect that to happen on a significant part of it. Anyhow, um, we have been receiving requests from our customers way before the trade war. And I would say that the reason is that people are just tired of China. People are tired of dealing with supplies on Alibaba, with all the issues that comes with that and so on, the delays and communication difficulties. And yeah, you know how it is back and forth. Mm, and mm. You, you ask the same question 10 times, you, you never get a clear answer. And, and the assumption is that if China is difficult, then Vietnam just have to be so much easier. And it's not necessarily like that. We have built up a, a supply network on the ground in, in Vietnam, primarily around Saigon in the Ho Chi Minh mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. However, nine out of 10 um, customers or, or, or well, non-customers just reaching out to us that wish to manufacture in Vietnam don't manufacture import products from Vietnam. Reason for this is number one, uh, product availability. 
Now, if you mm-hmm. look on in China, you take something like watches, okay? More than 3,000 mm-hmm. watch uh, suppliers in the watch industry. Not just watch suppliers, but you got the components. Someone making the crown, the hands, the indexing. Um, mm. uh, the faces and, yeah. Exactly, and they all specialize. And, and then it's all sent to this assembly manufacturer in, in, in Shenzhen, like the one I just mentioned that's, you know, mm. still, 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 still waiting for them to open up again. Um, and, and the assumption is that, okay, it's made in China. You've got to be a supplier. You've got to be a, at least at least a few watch suppliers in in Saigon or or Mumbai for that matter. And the thing is that there's not because you can't just translate transplant that ecosystem. Same thing goes for say Bluetooth speakers, another common product. Okay, yes. um, mm. you can find suppliers in China. Okay, making private label product like they have a catalog of products. Now, by comparison. The electronics industry here in Vietnam is very, very, very different. It consists mm-hmm. of PCB suppliers who basically say, "Okay, yeah, we can put components together. Give me a bill of materials. Give me a uh, give me give me the CAD files and the firmware." Like you really have to be strong in engineering because they provide facility and workers and and and, and some machines. Okay, mm-hmm. but you have to design and get the product made from the ground up you can't yeah like, like in dong one you can actually find a supplier okay we've got 50 different types of, of of bluetooth speakers um you can you can make these adjustments so you don't have mm. that existing product um sourcing option okay uh, mm. in vietnam now the other side of the coin uh, when it comes to uh, manufacturing in Vietnam is that it's very dominated by big business. You've got the big Korean and Japanese and German and, and, and American brands. So wow. it's not that Vietnam can't make Bluetooth speakers, but try walking to, say, you know, a Samsung factory, the, the big one outside of Hanoi, and, and convince them to, to sell you some private label Bluetooth speakers. It's, it doesn't really work that happen. way, right? It's not so, going to happen. So that's a difficulty. And when you hear about a lot of brands, because I get that question all the time, okay, if Nintendo can make their Nintendo Switch in, say, Vietnam or Indonesia, then, then, then why can't I make my product? And the reason is that they work with these huge, often Taiwanese contract manufacturers, mm-hmm. and they build their entire supply chain. Everything from procuring components from around Asia and the rest of the world to setting up the the, the production line. So Vietnam is is not always an option. Well, it's it's rarely an option if you just want to go in and and buy a a ready made product or or you mm-hmm. have a product idea. Um, say, yeah, yeah I, I got this CAD file. I, I want my Bluetooth speakers to look like that. Can you just you know work that out? Um, yeah. So, it sounds a lot like it sounds a lot like India. It's sort of you know India is not the place to source electronics or I don't know silicon you know molded products typically. Um, you know it's more of a place to source you know wood and leather and you know straw bags and jute bags and you know eco friendly products that sort of thing. It's it's much more handmade and a lot less machine driven, I suppose. So is Vietnam? It sounds to me as though apart from the really big business side of things there's a lot more there's also the home sort of homewares and handicrafts sort of side of vietnam as well isn't there there is there is i wouldn't say to the extent of india because we we've also been uh, uh, working a bit with customers manufacturing products in india and i would say that india is and also thailand to some extent uh, do offer a 
they have a wider industrial base in 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 that sense mm. um when it comes to to smaller buyers i would say that the ones that do buy from from vietnam are quite limited to the textiles industry right. and, and furniture furniture vietnam is also big on furniture they're pretty sophisticated in furniture so what about just comparing Vietnam again, say, with China? What's the pricing look like on, a, say, a similar item? I don't know if you can think of one. Obviously, watches are out. It doesn't sound like there's any watchmakers in, in Vietnam. But is it more expensive to source products in Vietnam typically than it is, say, out of China? You know, if if you asked me, say, a year, maybe two years ago, I, I, I think I could have looked at price data that we have and say that, yeah, okay, in the furniture industry, it's it's X percent cheaper in, in Vietnam. Things have mm. been so shaken up in the last year that honestly, I don't think anyone knows right now where China stands compared to, to, to Vietnam. I think there can be a significant difference if if you sell in the States and you sell a product subject that's still subject to, to the tariffs, uh, to, to the addition to the added tariffs then that's that's 25%. So that's that's a pretty big amount. If you're selling mm. in Australia, I think that as a small buyer, at best, you might see a difference plus minus a few percent. I don't think you would really notice that. It's different if you're Adidas and that 2% saving translates into a billion dollars. <laughs> that's right. Yes, yes, indeed. Just going back a step, I've actually got a good friend of mine, Adam, Adam Saraceno, and he works for a company called Peak Design that have done multiple multi-million dollar Kickstarter projects. And they source a lot of, uh, for example, their everyday messenger bags and things like that out of Vietnam. So there's, uh, to your point, there's a lot of textile and uh, bag making in in, uh, in Vietnam. Uh, but they, they get really good pricing. The quality is extraordinary. But I was going to ask about lead time. So is it? In your experience, do things take longer to manufacture in Vietnam than they do out of, say, China? And also logistics, getting products out of Vietnam and, say, into an Amazon warehouse or into a warehouse somewhere in the United States. What does that look like? Well, the the, the shipping process, be it ocean freight or, or air freight, is um, is not really different compared to if you manufacture in, 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 in China. You buy according to FOB terms. Um, the Vietnamese factory is the exporter. You don't have to deal with, say, um, the taxes in Vietnam. Um, the shipping process itself is, is, is the same. It's a, it's a sophisticated logistics industry based in, in Hanoi and, and Ho Chi Minh City. So That's good. You, you will not really face any issues in getting the goods out of the country. Um, never heard about any of our customers having any difficulties when it comes to comes to logistics really the, the one difference perhaps is that we see more of our customers that don't want to ship directly to a specific country especially australian companies uh, instead they want the goods to go into hong kong and they want to use a fulfillment center to distribute the goods um say in asia or or they want to use a hong kong fulfillment center as a say um a secondary warehouse okay so maybe they they do sell primarily in the united states or maybe in australia so they send the bulk shipment to that country but they keep say 20 25 of the goods in hong kong or even in shenzhen to distribute that worldwide directly b2c to to customers say in europe or asia as i just mentioned um that's as far as i know is is not available here yet so okay 
Mm. That's really the only difference that I'm aware of. And it's, it's said that it's a bit more expensive to ship out of Vietnam compared to mainland China. But then again, as a small buyer, plus minus 2%, it's not that huge. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but mm. it's, it's, um, it shouldn't. Let me put it like this. If you find a good factory in Vietnam, then, then that's good enough of a reason to buy from Vietnam or vice versa in China. Speaking of finding a good factory in Vietnam, what, can you jump on Alibaba and just filter by Vietnam or is it better to go to a trade show or fly to Vietnam to find a supplier that can help you source a particular type of product? Or what's the best way to get started sourcing from Vietnam? Alibaba is actually okay. Global sources is also okay. We've been working with, as I said, we've been working with customers buying from Vietnam way before um, the trade war. Um, most of them have used Alibaba to find mm-hmm. suppliers here in Vietnam. There's no real like Vietnamese version of Alibaba. In India, they have a few. They have India Market, which is, which is okay. Um, oh, sort of, yeah. Mm. But, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I hear what you mean. I'm a big fan of India Mart, yeah. <laughs> so Alibaba is, is still the place to go. If you want to source online and you want to find Vietnamese factories, response rate is not fantastic, but you know some, some of them are responsive. So... It, it's okay. You, you, you can definitely find suppliers um, using Alibaba. But as you, as you mentioned, trade, trade shows, that's really the way to go. If you really want to find a factory in, in Vietnam, then you can mm-hmm. attend one of the trade shows here in, in Saigon. Uh, yep. They have a big trade show venue in, in, in District 7. And mm-hmm. uh, the Saigon Techs, for example, they have an electronics trade show, furniture yeah. trade show, Vifa Home, and so on. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much limited to to that. Um, so their their trade shows do they compete directly with Canton Fair in terms of the calendar, or do they do they try and sort of schedule their trade shows a little bit differently? I think. Uh, let me think now. I I I think the Saigon Techs is in September or something. Yeah, that's a bit early. Yeah, that's good. Don't quote me on that. Um, I don't think it's the same. I'm fairly sure it's not October, November, and I wouldn't say that they are competing directly with with the Canton Fair. Um, if anything, they complement it. And I went to the Global Sources show. Um, yeah, I haven't been there since in April last year, mm-hmm. but there are more Southeast Asian factories attending these days compared to a few years ago. So attending one of the trade shows in Hong Kong is also an option. Mm. It's not limited to just Chinese factories, and and you also see a, a, a this new hybrid species, um, Chinese factories with a, a second factory or third factory in say Vietnam or Thailand or even 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 Myanmar. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So yeah, they're bringing the products that they're manufacturing offshore, well outside of China that they control to the trade shows. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I haven't heard of that happening yet, so that's really interesting as well. Speaking of sourcing still from Vietnam, product safety, compliance, and QC, what's the deal there? When it comes to, yeah, let's separate uh, product safety and quality inspection. But when it comes to quality inspections in Vietnam, it's basically the same companies that, that offer QCs in, in mainland China. Most of them are actually Hong Kong based. So you've got the big ones like Sophist.com, Chi Ma used to be Asia Inspection. They all cover they will come mm. to Vietnam. So there's no difference. I think it's slightly more expensive here. Uh, if, if, if you're currently paying, say, 300 US in, per inspection 
in mainland China, you can expect to pay maybe three forty, three fifty for Vietnam. That's so bad. yeah, no, yeah. Not, not much of a difference. No. Um, when it comes to product safety, I wouldn't say that it's more of a risk buying um, from Vietnam than than China. That's more of a issue facing all importers, uh, regardless of what product they're buying and, and where it's manufactured and where they're selling. A big thing that, you know, a big shift that we're seeing right now, when we get these emails almost every day now with importers that are being shut down by Amazon, or at least they have um, a product listing suspended mm. because they can't provide a, a test report, they can't provide a product certificate, like a children's product certificate in the United States. Um, one mm. of our Australian customers, they they had a big problem because they didn't have a US address, which it turned out to be mandatory for that specific type of product certificate. Wow. And they don't necessarily have to have a, say, operation with staff in the States, but... They need a mailing address. They need to have... Mm. They need an address, right? They And they, they also had to set up a US legal entity. Mm-hmm. So Amazon is, in, in some ways, they are acting as, as the gatekeeper because they are facing increased pressure from not just the US government, but 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 uh, also also from the EU mm. to be the enforcer, um, to verify that the products sold on a platform are safe and compliant. So I think I think that's something this is something that we've seen for like for the last two years, but the frequency of well, I wouldn't call it incidents, but reports that we receive from from desperate importers that they import something and they they may have gotten away with it for a while, and and now Amazon they 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 don't accept that anymore. So yeah, yeah that's Amazon catches up with you in the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's also you know Amazon's trying to yeah you're right about the compliance and the regulatory issues that Amazon is facing more and more pressure from throughout you know various governments around the world and and government bodies, but also. I hope to some at some level that Amazon is trying to protect their customers a little bit from you know they can't Amazon can't have somebody cooking up a jar a few jars of honey or jam or something in their kitchen and selling it on the platform and expecting that to you know be safe for their customers it's you know it just can't work that way so what other things do online retailers need to consider that you know about sourcing out of Vietnam that we might not have chatted through yet well um MOQs, minimum order oh, quantities. Yeah. Um, yeah. That can be a, a, a big. That that's a big problem. That, that's the other than the fact that in China, if if you if if it exists, it most likely can be manufactured in in, in China. That's as I said, not all, that's rarely the case in in Vietnam outside of the core core categories, or uh, unless you can actually set up a factory yourself. Okay, but just go in and buy products. I want to buy this. I want to buy that. I want to slap my logo on this this power bank or whatever. Well, then China is likely to be the only option. But then it's also the MOQs. So in the textiles industry, Mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to go below a thousand pieces per style and color. Okay, so you buy that dress, it's a thousand pieces, the blue one and the green one has 2K, that's your pink one and the yellow ones. Okay, four colors, that's 4,000 pieces. Of course, there are exceptions, but that's considered a fairly low MOQ in, in Vietnam. Average buyer in Vietnam, average, average company buying from Vietnam is bigger than the average company buying from a supplier in China. Hmm. And a thousand pieces for an established brand is not really 
No, it's not, not really a problem. Mm. It's not much, though. Yeah. Uh, but if if you're a startup brand, um, you have an idea and you want to try out getting, say, four or five hundred pieces produced, and mm. it's more difficult. Now there are exceptions. I know some of our customers actually been here on the ground for like three to six months working directly with factories in uh well in in and around ho chi minh city that have succeeded to bring limited production runs to market raise funds through kickstarter and so on so it, it mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. be done but it's it's way more difficult sitting say in australia or europe or the united states or or even in hong kong and and, and try to get that done say remotely compared to doing the same thing with a supplier in Alibaba. One last question is just around currency to pay, say, a Vietnamese supplier. And is, is it okay to pay in US dollars or do you need to pay in Vietnamese dong? Are you paying US dollars? Which, so. and, and the VNT is somewhat pegged to the dollar anyway. But okay. yeah, it's, it's the same. It's, it's you, you're paying in, in Forex, you're paying USD. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether Pioneer or OFX and... Maybe well first, you know, the three biggies. There's probably a handful of others out there as well that do cross-border payments like that. <laughs> Excuse me. But, um, yeah, that's good. Okay. I think that's all the questions that I have. I think we've covered pretty much everything that I wanted to find out about sourcing from Vietnam and comparing that to China. So huge thank you, Frederick. And um, how can we get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to spend some time with you here on the podcast. Oh, I've learned a lot. Um, thank go you. to ChinaImportal.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, China Import AL, the China Import Portal. That's that's the idea anyway. So ChinaImportal.com. Yes. And you can book a free consultation call with us. Uh, you can jump on one of the many free webinars that we offer. Or you can just read some of the articles that we have in, in our knowledge base. I think we have three or four hundred articles covering everything from well gst to import tax in australia to to well anything wow. really we've spent five years building up that knowledge base so yeah you, f- you find plenty of information so, including supply lists covering uh, a range of industries for for vietnam and other countries including india as well yeah we we have a few supply lists for india awesome so do you advise clients that you know, that might take advantage of the free consultation with you about which is the best country to source from, you know, depending on what their requirements are? Sure, sure. Have, that's yeah. that's one of the main, main things yeah. we, we discuss with, uh, with prospective customers these days. That's great. Awesome. Thank you so much again for coming on the show today. Super grateful to you. Hopefully our paths will cross again soon. So thanks so much again for coming on the show, Frederick. Thank you, Chris. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.